Our scripture reading this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Those of you visiting our morning series is from the book of 2 Corinthians. And so we're up to chapter 4. We'll read the entire chapter, but our text uh, this morning is actually verses 7 through 18. Let us hear the very word of God to us. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. As far as the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come unto Thee as we enter Thy house on this beautiful Sabbath day. We open Your precious Word and we pray that Thou be with 
Pastor Bob, as he explains your word to us, and we can have that word enter into our hearts and that we may apply it to our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our passage begins, or our text begins, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. First of all, we'd have to ask the question, what is the treasure? What's Paul speaking of here? Well, the word that Paul uses uh, to describe this treasure is thesaurus. That's the, the Greek word for it. Like we have these books full of words, a treasury of words to help us to understand further words or to give us other words, like-minded words. It's a treasury. It comes out of the Greek for this word. They saw us. What is it? What is the treasure? We have this treasure. Well, the treasure that Paul is speaking about is the message of the gospel. It's one of those situations where, once again, a, a paragraph break okay, doesn't, doesn't necessarily help us. Uh, that English bit of editing that takes place uh, in our way and the dividing into verses, as I have said many times, is, is not part of the original text. Those are simply aids put in there. And too often what will happen is exactly what we did. We, we preach the first part and then the second part. So we miss the connection. But by reading it together, what happens is we have this treasure. Well, the question would be, well, what has Paul just been talking about? What has been the main subject for the last several weeks as we've been going through 2 Corinthians? And that is the subject of the gospel. He speaks about it as the light. He speaks about it as the glory. He speaks about it as the knowledge. But it all comes back to the same thing. It is the message of the gospel. The good news of salvation in and through Jesus Christ. That is the treasure. That treasure, Paul says, is something that we have. It's something that all believers possess. Not one of us is not rich in the gospel. All of us have the treasure of the gospel. Every believer. It's not that some believers have the gospel, other believers don't. So some people have the treasure, some people don't have the treasure. But we have this treasure, we, all of us, Paul is saying, myself, Paul would say, Silas has it, Timothy has it, Titus has it, you there in Corinth, you have it too, as believers in Jesus Christ. You have the treasure. Possess it. It's yours. This treasure, which we all have. Second question, what are the jars of clay? We have this treasure where? In jars of clay. What does Paul mean by that? What is he referencing? Well, 
a jar of clay was the container of the day. Everything got put basically in a jar of clay in some piece of pottery. Everything, the pieces of pottery contained all sorts of things. But he might have been thinking about lamps. Those oil lamps that they used to, to light their houses. And certainly that would have been a, 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 a good connection. Because Paul in the first part of the chapter has been dealing with the subject of light. The light of the gospel. The light of Christ. Shining. The glory. That, that whole picture of the glory. The illumination of a room. In and through the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. So he might have been saying, well, we have, we have this, this gospel in these vessels of light. But that doesn't really seem to flow, does it, necessarily? He might have also been referring, you remember a few weeks ago, we were, we were back with that triumphal entry. Okay, that, and with, we're the aroma of Christ. Remember that picture of the general coming in? Okay, of Christ always leading us in triumphal procession. One of the things that happened in that procession is as the general would go forward with the conquering troops, behind the troops there would come people carrying jars. And in the jars were... Items like gold. They would be filled with gold coins. They would be filled with silver coins. They would be filled with grain. They would be filled with, with perhaps olive oil or wine. Or in some cases, even water. All of which was taken as plunder from the country or from the area that they are returning from. And so here are the gifts, here's the plunder in jars of clay, the treasure, the treasure from that spoils from the victor that the victors had gained. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Certainly for, for the people of Corinth and others as this letter is read throughout the churches of that day, certainly that picture probably came into their mind thinking of, oh yeah, I remember being in Rome once and seeing a general return and here they were carrying and the coins filled. Oh man, yeah, treasure in clay jars. And although that once again builds the connection, doesn't seem to be what Paul is really addressing here. He's probably not referring to the containers of the day. There is another very interesting, unique connection about jars of clay as well. We learned through, over the course of uh, history, over the course of time, with the discovery of those things called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Remember the, the, the scriptures that were uncovered, those early ancient scriptures, uncovered in a cave in Israel? Anybody remember, remember the story of how that happened? There's a little shepherd boy, okay, keeping watch over some sheep. And, you know, he, he's probably a pretty typical little shepherd boy and getting a little bored with just watching sheep. So he starts chucking rocks. And one of the rocks that he chucks goes into a cave and he hears something break. 
And so he goes into the cave to investigate, and there those scrolls are being kept in jars of clay. And so is Paul alluding here to to perhaps the scriptures? This treasure, this gospel is kept in a jar of clay. Maybe that's what they did with the scriptures, those scrolls in the days of Paul. In, In the synagogues, they'd have a container and maybe they'd keep them in that jar. That's what they did with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So Maybe that was more a typical practice of that day of keeping them safe. That doesn't necessarily seem to fit either. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this gospel in a jar of clay. See, one of the things that God's word has to do is God's word has to ring true not only for that day, but God's word needs to ring true to us as well. We don't have clay lights. We don't have those containers with generals. We don't keep our scriptures in a clay pot. So what is Paul referring to? What are these jars of clay where the treasure of the gospel is kept? Let's do a little searching. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Let's start there. We'll go to three texts. Genesis chapter 2. We'll start at verse 4. Genesis 2, 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. The day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature." Man is clay. Man is formed out of the dust. Man is formed out of the clay. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, I believe it is. Excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. Start down at verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. So there we have the picture. He's watching a a potter work with clay. He sees what happens. He sees the piece the potter is working on. Doesn't seem to turn out the way the potter wants. So the potter starts all over. 
Verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So the Lord uses the picture, once again, from Genesis chapter 2, of him forming man out of the dust of the ground, out of the clay of the earth. He uses that picture to, to tell Jeremiah, did you watch what happened with the potter? Don't I have that same right to do with you? Are you not the clay in my hands? So God's view of his people okay, is consistent with Genesis chapter 2. He sees them as clay. Now, go with me to Romans chapter 9. Go to verse 19 of Romans 9. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same Lump, one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. That's the point Paul is making. Clay. We are clay in the hands of God who forms and shapes us. When you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 then, knowing that that's the way Paul is thinking, we come back to, but we have this treasure. We have this gospel. We have it. Believers have this gospel. Where? In jars of clay. In human bodies. This is where the glorious light is. This is where the glory of Christ is. This is where that magnificent glory of God dwells in the gospel. In a body of clay. In a jar of clay. In your human body in my human body. Now, why would God take something that is so glorious, something that is so magnificent, the gospel, and put it in a jar of clay? Would it not seem better that something that is so magnificent be put on display in some much better place? 
I don't know how many of you attend uh, art prize throughout the years, okay? But over the course of time, uh, as Sandy and I have visited uh, on a number of occasions, I'm always struck by the fact that, that some people's artwork, as beautiful as it is, seems to kind of get shoved in a corner. And hardly anybody gets to see it. And actually, sometimes I think some of the better pieces of art seem to never really see the light of day, as it were. While other people, you know, get a whole wall in the art museum with special lighting and everything else and special tags and, every, and all that goes with it. Well, of course everybody's going to stream past that piece of artwork. Look at the display it's put on. Well, somebody else is tucked in some shop somewhere, perhaps on South Division, that nobody really wants to walk down or go by. But it seems like what God is doing is he's taking the most beautiful, the most gorgeous, the most magnificent thing that there is, this message of the gospel, for it is the glory of God, the light of God, and he's putting it in absolutely the wrong vessels. Why would God, why would God gospel Jars of clay. Well, that's our third point. Why is the treasure in a jar of clay? Verse 7 answers it, doesn't it? It actually gives us two answers. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show. To show. Here's your reason. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God purposely puts the gospel in jars of clay. Marred jars, scarred jars, ugly jars, out of shape jars, nice jars. He purposely puts it in jars of clay. So that the gospel is what is on display, not us. Not us. As I think back to the illustration about Art Prize, there's been a number of times when it has been the setting of a piece of art that has kind of captured my attention. Well, that was pretty neat arrangement. Boy, they, they really had a nice spot for that. Now, that was a great spot. And, I, and, I, and it's not the art. I kind of lose the art in the space. God doesn't want the gospel to be lost in the container. As if somehow, perhaps, the container might seek to overshadow the gospel. God purposely places this gospel, this magnificent glory, this light, in jars of clay so that nobody would ever think 
Wow. That Bob Van Manen's quite something. He has the gospel. That they're really quite something because they have the gospel. Now the emphasis is always on the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. Remember those containers that they're bringing into the procession? They, they were ordinary clay containers. Why? Because they wanted to display the treasure, not the container. They didn't want people to go, hey, look at that nice vase they've got. Oh, yeah, it's got some gold in it, but look at the beautiful vase. Isn't the vase very ornate? Now they just put the stuff in regular clay pots. Why? So people would go, wow, look at the gold. God puts the gospel in ordinary clay pots, you and I, so that people go, wow, look at the gospel. Look at the gospel on display. Two reasons. One, so that it would be shown to the world. It would be displayed to the world that the glorious power and message of the gospel is not us. Not us. We don't have to try to glitz the gospel. The surpassing power belongs to God. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of that gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God. The gospel is God's power. And God places His almighty power, His gospel, His glory, His radiant light that shines so greatly, so beautifully. In jars of clay. So that everyone would know that the power of transforming a life is not found in ourselves, but is found in God. And the honor and the glory and the praise would go to God. Now, you might think, well, what does the rest of this section have to do with that? Well, I think what Paul is doing here is Paul is showing us in, in the next seven, I, I divided it into seven sections, in the next seven sections, how in each one of these sections, you see, it's not, it's not the jar of clay. It's the gospel. Look at how this works out. Let me just take this next section. Starting at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now, here we are, a jar of clay. Why are we not crushed? Because we're strong enough to withhold? Because we're such great jars of clay? I mean, we know that the potter can smash the clay at any time. What, what is it? Why is it that we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed? Why? <laughs> you know why? Because the gospel is in here. God's not going to crush that which is His glory. 
So yeah, we're afflicted, but never crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, we are a jar of clay. We're nothing more than that. We, we, we can't think of ourselves as more than what we are. We are simply a jar of clay. And just as a clay pot in the time of Paul is a, a pot that, that would go through hard and difficult times, a, a pot that would perhaps be marred and scarred, so is this clay pot. But because the gospel message resides within you and I, God never lets this clay pot, God never lets your clay pot be crushed. Isn't that amazing? See, our very existence is a reminder that we are but a jar of clay. All our aches and pains, all our bruises and scrapes, all our feebles and fobbles are all reminders that we are but a jar of clay. But we are the receptacle of the glorious gospel. We are filled with the treasure of God. That's what's in us. So that even our bodies, look at 10 and 11, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so that death, so death is at work in us but life in you. Yeah, in our body, which, which someday succumbs to death, doesn't change the glory of the gospel. Paul, who probably is speaking here about physical persecution at this particular point, he's talking about carrying with us the death of Jesus. What does he mean? He means the persecution that Jesus endured. And he, as a gospel witness, is enduring the persecution. That's not a sign that something is wrong with the gospel. The stripes across Paul's back are not signs that the gospel has a problem. Those are signs of the glory of God. That's the way Paul deals with this. That's the way the New Testament deals with persecution and suffering. That yes, we are jars of clay and we're being abused, we're being persecuted. Why? Because of us? No. Because somebody sees the gospel in us. Somebody sees Christ in us. Because of that, 
But just as Christ rose, so we shall reign. Not only in terms of our deliverances, not only in terms of our bodies, but our hope, this hope of the resurrection. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you in his presence. You can't kill the gospel. You can't kill God's glory. You can't destroy God's light. You can't defeat the good news. This is what goes on and on and on. So our hope is not in this mortal body. Our hope is not in this jar of clay. Remember the little shepherd boy? Flings the stone, crack. There went the jar of clay. It was destroyed. But inside of it, kept, preserved, God's word, the gospel. You can crack the pot, but you can't destroy the message. Because there is the hope of that resurrection. Fourth, this is for the increase of God's glory. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The more and more clay pots, the more and more jars of clay that become receptacles of the treasure the more thanks is given to God. Think of that picture of that general coming through. Okay? Maybe there's, there's four pots filled with gold. Wow, the general did a great job, right? Okay, next time he comes back, there's eight pots filled with gold. Wow, general, fantastic. To you, to you, general belongs thanks. Then there's 16, then there's 32, then there's 64. Every soul, every jar of clay who becomes the receptacle of the gospel adds to the praise, not to the jar, but to the one who always leads us in triumphal procession, even Christ. See, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that, so that it can show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What a beautiful picture for us. As we age, the clay pot, the jar of clay, ages. It gets older and older and older. It gets more and more brittle. Falls that used to be, hey, we fall off the bike, got right back on, rode another 10 miles. Now we fall off the bike and it takes eight weeks to even stand up again. We get brittle. 
right? That's the outside. But inwardly, what's happening? Inwardly, our strength, our faith, the gospel is shining more and more and more. Every day, we live out more of the gospel light. More of that light of Christ is seen in the world. Does that come from us? No, <laughs> just a jar of clay that's getting brittle. Where does that come from? God's power in the gospel. On display. Verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all com- comparison. So we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Remember the description you have of faith in Hebrews chapter 11? That first verse? What is faith? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. God, by giving to this jar of clay, faith, shows His power, His strength. Because I can't see beyond myself. I can't see beyond this world. But God gives me eyes of faith in the gospel so that I see beyond this world. Faith is never something that exalts the jar of clay. Faith is always that which exalts the Lord. And lastly, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I can't see my soul. I can see my jar of clay. My jar of clay is transient. It's going to end. For all practical purposes, it's going to end up in a casket. It's going to be ended up buried. It's going to end up disintegrated into dust, into clay. It began as clay. I'm going to end as clay. It's a powerful reminder that, that our body is but transient, but that which is unseen, soul. Power, the gospel. I can't even see my soul. Yet God, in His power, places the gospel in my soul. For his glory. So that nobody can step back and say, Wow, did you see what Bob did when he came to faith? No. I didn't come to faith. I didn't come to grace. I didn't come to Christ. I'm just a jar of clay. That God, in his grace, in his mercy, has placed the treasure of the gospel within. That's true for you as well. 
So what is the purpose of this jar of clay? And what is the purpose of this treasure? Show forth God's power. Let's pray. Father, choir saying, O church, arise and put your armor on. May we, Father, as the church of Jesus Christ, arm ourselves with the spiritual weapons so that we might, as that army, follow the one who always leads in triumphal procession. And may we, Father, allow the light of the gospel, the treasure that is in but a jar of clay, to show forth into this world so that others, so that others, by your power, not by our container, but by your power, may come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, we need to love to tell the story. We need to love to tell those who already know. We need to love to tell those who have never heard of the wonderful, glorious message of the good news. Jesus Christ saves sinners. He saves jars of clay. Thank you. Thank you, Father. To you and to you alone belongs the glory for our salvation. In his name we pray. God's people say, Amen.